0: Hello and welcome to You Uplifted, the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their power and potential. My name is Safa and I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach and I am delighted and honored that you are joining me today. Today's episode is particularly near and dear to my heart because I had the unique chance to sit down and talk to my friend and teacher, Sarah Turk. Sarah is a phenomenal yoga teacher, as well as the owner of Cherry Blossom Yoga here in Houston, Texas. And she has had the fortune to study in depth with master teachers such as Doug Swenson, Tim Miller, and Max Strom. Sarah is a dedicated practitioner, teacher, and health and animal rights advocate. And she also has cultivated an award-winning healthy recipe blog called The Innocent Primate Vegan Blog. And in addition to regular classes, and teacher trainings at the studio she also mentors other studio owners yoga teachers and fitness entrepreneurs to develop their own businesses sarah is a wonderful person and she has so much insight and it was an absolute joy to sit down with her and have this conversation about how we can change our perspectives what The practice teaches us in terms of how to take that veil away from our perceptions and see the world as it stands before us and so much more. I cannot wait for you to listen. So without further ado, here is the wonderful Sarah. Well, welcome Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. No, on the contrary. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I'm excited and this makes me so happy because you're, you know, it's one of those things, you're not just my friend, but you're also my teacher and you've been my, both of those things for so long Mm -hmm. that this is just like a very special time for me to share with you. Oh, thank you, likewise, likewise. (laughs) Well, I wanted to see if you could actually share a little bit with the listeners about your journey through yoga and how you got to where you are today. I know that it's a very long journey and there's a lot that you can skip, I'm sure. But the things that stand out to you most that you wish to share with us, that would be fantastic. Sure.
1: So just a, a, a very brief roadmap, kind of a nutshell synopsis. I was first... Exposed to yoga back in the late 90s. I was taking dance classes in college and One of my teachers there she decided one of my dance teachers um, We walked into class one day and she said, you know, we're gonna do yoga Instead of our our usual modern choreography or contemporary choreography and so that was my first experience and then it was you know, I, I practiced a lot of vinyasa and gentle flows and vigorous flows and and more of a very fluid, choreographed, very dancer-friendly style of yoga. And then in sort of the early 2000s, I think it was like 2004, I took an Ashtanga class. I I was in a studio in, in Kansas City where I was working in grad school and the owner of the studio had... Suggested I try their Saturday morning primary, and because I was just going to their vinyasa and, and some of their hatha classes, and she suggested to try their their Saturday morning mud primary, and I took it, and it was it felt like coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was like the practice that I never knew I was looking for kind kind of feeling. Um, you know, it, it it was a whirlwind. I had no idea what was going on the whole time. It was moving quickly, and and I had been pretty well versed in yoga at this point, so I, I can understand how daunting it can be, even for someone with experience. But that that was that shavasana after that first ashtanga class was was almost a, a very similar experience to my first ever shavasana. Mm-hmm. Very transformative. Very um, very much like. I found what I was meant to experience um, on, on many levels. I never really thought of myself as eventually becoming a teacher, but I think I have a natural tendency to teach because I, I taught, you know, my fellow students in high school dance and things like that. And then in college I was teaching dance and biology. And so I've always been a teacher in some realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the same woman who suggested I take their Ashtanga class like a few years later. She was like, you really should, you should be teaching yoga. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of started dabbling and teaching friends and, and teaching for um, an at-risk youth nonprofit. Uh, there was, a, her father ran it. She was a friend of mine. Um, and so that kind of got me in the door of teaching people that, that I didn't already personally know. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I decided to leave grad school and open up a yoga studio, that's when I started teaching yoga full time mostly ashtanga, a lot of vinyasa. I love teaching beginners and I just, I love teaching no matter what, you know, no matter what the field is as long as I have some knowledge in it, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of a very much a synopsis on, on that roadmap and it's, and it's evolved into teaching or, or mentoring studio owners and, and yoga teachers and in how to grow themselves, not only as teachers, but as people and, and, as self-employed business people. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it just keeps evolving and and I keep being fortunate enough to to be able to teach people and no matter what the realm. So I feel very fortunate in
0: that regard. Oh I love that. And I think it's so it's been a very natural progression and transition for you. So I see that. I see that you've got that like spirit about you. And I can say as someone who's been taught by you mm-hmm. that you exude this very personable and just like a very deep, but also very authoritative space, right? Which is exactly what you look for with your, with your teachers. At least I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And I love that you're also helping other studio owners and teachers to further evolve their own businesses and everything. And I've been i can I can say I count myself lucky and that i've've been at the receiving end of that a little bit as well, which yeah, is such an absolutely. honor, but I love that you're doing that because I find and tell me what you think about this because perhaps and it is maybe slightly my own perception about this, but to me, okay. it seems as though within the yoga community there's almost like a tight lipped rule you know if you've been teaching for a certain amount of time or if you have your own studio very few people will ever share with you what it took to get there or the tools that they used and it's more about like kind of closely guarding it and keeping it almost like, oh, this is my precious. This is my like secret. I'm not going to tell you how I got here or what I did. You know, it seems a little bit in in that sense obstructed. But again, that could just be my my point of view.
1: Um, I don't think it's necessarily just your point of view. I I do think there is that. And you see this in any field, right? Now that that yoga is such a proliferative industry more than just you know, some underground yoga studio down some back alley that you kind of had to know a guy who knows a guy to to even find. Mm-hmm. Now you have like yoga studios almost on every corner, depending on the city that you're living in. And, and, and so we are, we have become this huge industry. I mean, look at the booming of the clothing and the yoga props and the accessories. So it is this industry. So of course we would start to see Elements of other industries that where if you're responding or or moving from a place of fear you're going to Keep everything close to the heart Tight-lipped you don't want anyone to know your secrets because you want students to keep coming to you You're only going to give them just enough information to keep them coming back you're not going to want to help any other teachers because oh what if the students go to those other teachers and, mm-hmm. and that whole kind of fear cycle of being afraid that another teacher or another studio or whatever it is, is going to take from you. When in, in reality, and I get it, we've all kind of been there, right? We're, we're, we start having those attachments of, of students coming to us, whether we're individual teachers or studio owners or what have you, and businesses in general, we want, we want the customers to come to us. So how can we keep that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you you go from a place of abundance, you know, I know that sounds, oh my gosh, it sounds so cliche. Like don't act from a place of fear, act from a place (laughs) of abundance and gratitude. But there's a reason it's a cliche, right? Yes, yes. The minute you start offering up as much knowledge as you have, and this is what I tell my teachers when I train them. Um, This is what I tell my teachers when I hire them you know Safa you have definitely probably heard this even though like we hired you ages ago so it might have just kind of gone by the wayside but (laughs) because it's a culture that we have at cherry blossom so it it kind of exists unsaid now Mm -hmm. but i tell every teacher that that i hire that i train give everything that you know if you don't know something send that student to a teacher who does yeah and then you learn whatever it is like let those questions be what guide you in your own knowledge, mm-hmm. but don't don't be afraid to encourage the growth of someone else because that's what we are as teachers. We're encouraging the growth of other people, whether it's in how to align their triangle or how to be open and free of their own traumas that they've been carrying around, whatever that degree or spectrum that we're teaching and encouraging and and helping to nourish Mm -hmm. we have to give everything we have to tell them everything that we possibly know and when we have reached our the limit of our knowledge hopefully we know someone else that has more knowledge to refer them to that's why Mm -hmm. every teacher needs a teacher no matter how long you've been teaching right that's why i have my teachers that's why i encourage people to, to expand and continue having a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, and, it, and it comes in a cycle. One of my teachers, I'm now having to teach him or, or getting to teach him about this new world that, that we're in, this digital technology <laughs> teaching. So it comes full yeah. cycle. But if I didn't completely trust him in teaching me, he wouldn't, he wouldn't feel comfortable in me teaching him. if he didn't know how to do it he doesn't feel threatened by the fact that i have knowledge that he doesn't currently have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah like i I mean i understand that that notion and and i don't think you're completely uh you know out of the realm of it when you think that way because there are a lot of people out there that feel that way that they they want to hoard because they're afraid that other people will steal what they have Mm -hmm. and my opinion is if (laughs) If it's going to be stolen, it isn't really yours, right? You know, and, and if it is really yours, it can't be stolen. And we're also talking about people. So, like, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> in of itself. But, but the idea is that, you know, the more knowledge I have to offer, it shines light on the areas where I don't have knowledge, right? Yeah, but if I try to yeah. hoard everything, then I'm never going to learn and grow, Mm -hmm. as an individual, because I won't know where my knowledge stops.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm I'm just so excited about everything that you just said, because it just resonates so deeply within me. And I'm thinking, Oh, God, what about this and that? But mostly, one of the things that sticks out more stands out more about what you just said is that, yeah, you're right. I think it's coming from a very, it may even be that we've created a cultural core wounding for ourselves in that, we've learned to reside in a space of fear with one another so that we continue to think that it is impossible for the universe to gift to everybody in equal measure. You know, we think that there is only one way, you know, like this can only belong to one person. And if anybody else tries to come in and get it, then, you know, that's, that's, like you said, it's either stealing or they're trying to take advantage or whatever. But the truth is, is that there is more than enough for everybody. And not just that, I think it would be important for us to take a different stance and hopefully learn as Mm -hmm. a unit to change our perspective around how we relate to one another in terms of we are not threats to each other for right. many different reasons, right? We're yeah. not threads to each other because, as you said, if it really isn't yours, like let's say if your power really isn't yours, then that means you've given it away and you're powerless. Mm. But if you really are fully in your power, then no one or and nothing can take it away from you. So that's yeah. one. And the other thing is, we're here to serve each other. We really right. are one and the same.
1: Yeah, it, I, I think you're right. I think there's this this wound in society that that causes us to kind of, you know, using that same metaphor, kind of pick at the scab. And so it never really heals yeah. there. Because even I sometimes as, as giving as I am, I, there are moments, mm-hmm. like brief moments that I'm like, oh, okay, no. And then I exhale <laughs> and I go back into that place of, you know, the students who want to come to me will come to me. Yeah. But if I can't serve them, then I, I at least want to be able to, to send them to someone who can. Because mm-hmm. where I'm really coming from is, I want the world to be a better place. Yes, I know that I can't help everybody.
0: Yes, I know Maybe that. That's the other. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, that's fine. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, you were probably going to like follow up what I was saying, but you know, <laughs> there's not one single teacher that can teach every single person. That's why we have as many of us as there is, because someone is going to connect with teachers differently. Mm-hmm. You know, the students who connect with me may or may not connect to you or they may connect mm-hmm. to both of us, but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, the studio down the street, this, the students who like Cherry Blossom may or may not like the culture that that that's at that studio and vice mm-hmm. versa. The students who don't really care for the culture at Cherry Blossom may enjoy the culture at, you know, Susie Q's studio down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but but the idea is that that's why we all exist, right? Is is to offer that difference into the world um, mm-hmm. and stop looking at it as competition and, and looking at it as a way for each of us to serve yeah. the potential population because everybody's gonna be different.
0: Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's all about, it's about service too. Again, I go back to the same thing and I want to go deeper into this one thing because it's about sure. persp- perspective change. But uh, before I do that, I think mm-hmm. also maybe in terms of what we're speaking of, it's, it's that idea of we're, we're in service of something greater than ourselves. And we, in that space, have the ability to choose to remain in beginner's mind and continue to mm-hmm. flow and grow and develop or we can always choose not to and to consider ourselves experts and gurus and stay at that same level for a while. But it's my personal experience that in life, in just the way that the universe works, everything is always in a state of changing or in a state of flux. And when things don't, often there tends to be this toxicity that builds up, right? So it's my opinion. And again, we can all choose and it's fine. Either choice that you make is yours. Mm -hmm. But to me, the choosing of the idea that you are already all you can be is incredibly obstructive, not just for you as a person, but also for what you do in terms of your community, your business, mm-hmm. your friendships, your relationships, et cetera. And so I think coupling that with this core wounding of we see each other as competition, especially for women, right? Because uh, we've been yeah. so indoctrinated in that. Absolutely. You know, you couple that and you've got this perfect little like hodgepodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah of resentment and guardedness and closed offness that just creates more and more stagnation around ourselves and the people around us, as well as our businesses, our inner growth, all of this other, um, all of these other things. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And so further to where I really want to take the conversation with that now is, is the ability to shift perspectives because that's a big part of this, right? It's one thing to hear you and me talk about this and maybe go, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. And then in application, it falls through. And it's another to have to put it to use or to live with it face-to-face where you really are in a situation where if you do not change your perspective, you're likely going to break you know, and it's going to put a lot of strain in your soul and your mind. And it's good to take a step back and look at what the situation truly is mm-hmm. for what it is and allow yourself to shift perspectives. And that's something that I actually started learning from you. So <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted to say that and honor you in that space because I remember coming to practice at first very reluctantly, right? I was sure. just so resistant and, and still kind of fighting with myself at like, wow, why am I even doing this, but I remember going to this one class a couple of years ago. And I say couple, but really this was what, like eight, nine years ago? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you had mentioned something about the yoga sutras and how they speak of the uh, chitta vrittis, which we're going to explain in a second for the listeners. And how if you just take a moment to turn everything upside down, and shift your perspective you're able to create new space for something new to be born and so thank you for that lesson because yeah. it stuck with me so deeply that, that is one of the biggest <laughs> things that I teach all of my students my clients my family members you know like I try to spread that as much as I can because it's so beautiful um, so in in terms of that can you tell us a little bit exactly what the sutras say about Chitta and what it is to change perspectives and what your what your stance is on how that can help us heal
1: well sure so um, you know the chitta is is the mind stuff the vrittis are it can be translated as like revolutions or turnings or fluctuations is often a common translation Mm -hmm. Um, and and the sutra that you're referring to yoga is chitta vritta nirodaha, yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations or the revolutions of of the mind Mm -hmm. so thinking about, I mean, you can, you can look at this on a macro scale, you can look at on a micro scale. So like looking on the micro, right, we have our thoughts turning over and over. These are the fluctuations, the the revolutions of the mind stuff that this, that this uh, sutra is referring to. And in terms of everything constantly changing like you mentioned our thoughts are constantly turning over and changing and and that's the mind's job it it is meant to turn over and process and and have those fluctuations but the cessation of being attached to that or or having them take our focus so that, you know, in the concept of meditation, of quieting the mind, it's the mind is still going to function and it's still going to turn over because that's what it is <laughs> biologically meant to do. But allowing those, those fluctuations gives you the freedom to not get stuck in any of those negative cycles of I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too smart even like you know there whatever your the thing that you're holding on to that is holding you back whatever it is those are the fluctuations that you don't want to stay attached to you want to allow the fluctuations to evolve and become things like i am worthy i am full of gratitude i am full of giving so so making that shift and you know if you want to grow a little bit into larger concepts it's why we it's one of the reasons why we take twisting postures to get a, a you know a twisting um, you know literally mm-hmm. and metaphorically in in the way we see things um, because if we stay too pigeonholed, we're never going to be able to get off the hamster wheel that fluctuation of whatever that negative self-talk is whatever that internal dialogue that keeps picking at the scab of that core wound that that you refer to you know and even on a greater scale like the world keeps turning so no matter what the situation is that fluctuation that vritti that revolution of the earth that revolution of time will keep moving so you know nothing is forever which is good i mean it's also sad right because nothing is forever yeah but the liberation and the beauty of of life is that nothing is forever mm-hmm. so i mean we saw it when when we had this shutdown with the the coronavirus mm-hmm. and you saw some people and everybody's going to respond in their own way and this is not in any way a judgment of those responses but you saw people freaking out and Getting into that hoarding mentality, whether it was groceries or business, mm-hmm. um, you saw that. But then you also saw an instant pivot for, for some businesses. Um, you, you saw an instant shift. You also saw you know, the pause, which you know, we're all going to re- react in our own ways. You had some people pause and say, okay, I, I need to process this traumatic and unexpected event and then and then they emerged a couple of weeks later and pivoted their business, or you know, felt comfortable going out to the grocery store or whatever it is that that mm-hmm. they needed to pause for. but you you saw instant panic, you saw instant peace. Um, mm-hmm. and then you kind of saw somewhere in between this kind of pausing moment. You know, one of the things I was talking about was it it's moments like this that we practice, right? to always kind yeah. of not expect the unexpected, but allow the ritties to keep revolving and to not mm-hmm. get stuck in them. So cessation is one thing, but, but getting stuck is another, right? Yeah. So
0: I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> it, um, did. But it did. It yeah. did. And I think it's a, it's a new, I always like, see, this is why I like having conversations with people and having conversations Mm -hmm. with friends and teachers and everything, because each, that's the other thing about perspectives too, I think. Mm -hmm. And the way that our mind works is that everything is going to be so unique, just like our bodies. Everyone's body is unique and everyone's body changes from day to day and almost moment to moment. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your mind, it's much the same and and you'll have a perception of what's going on around you and inside of you that's very unique to yourself Mm -hmm. at the same time, any information that happens or that comes through, you will process uniquely. Right. So I love, I love everything that you said, because it's beyond, you know, for me, it's that change of, like you said, it's, you get, we get ourselves into these physical postures so that we can embody them in a, in a physical, mental and spiritual way later. Mm -hmm. So we put ourselves in in inversions and that immediately challenges those those vrittis right it challenges the fluctuations of the mind because you have to be very very present Uh, I very rarely use the word focus these days but you have to be very present with what is happening in that moment as it presents itself to you so that you can stay in that space and you also have to be in that space of very deep discomfort very likely fear things that are coming up for you that you may not even have known that were there for you so we embody those spaces for example in a very deep inversion and you know I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll just out myself here and say, you know, this firsthand seeing it with me, just because you saw how mm-hmm. many times I kept falling over in my headstand. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, and it's that it's the fact that you give yourself the space to transition through those spaces. Mm-hmm. So that in the practice. When things come up in your day-to-day, you're able to observe them and see them more at face value. And I think that goes very to the core of what you were saying in terms of, yes, everything is revolving, nothing is permanent, and that is so beautiful, but it's such a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. But at the same time, what it does is it allows us this pliability and it allows us this choice. At any given point in time, we can choose to either go further into or further away from. We mm-hmm. can choose to not, we can yeah. choose to take that that other step, or we can choose to embody or not embody. And so I like, I like everything that you said, absolutely, because to me, it goes very hand in hand with how I see perspective and the way in which we each relate to each other. Because one thing I like about that particular part of the sutras too, is to think in terms of, I see it almost as a visual aid because I'm a very visual person. So to me, it's almost as if you were lifting like an actual veil Mm -hmm. away from your eyes and you were able to see things for what they truly are versus perhaps ego's own stories or Mm -hmm. the rumination of old core woundings or patterns or things that have been presented themselves to us so deeply that they even become um, shackling, you know, cause if you let yourself ruminate too deeply into the same old stories and patterns, you're essentially giving all of your willpower away, shackling yourself to this idea or this thought or this thing or this person or this point in time, mm-hmm. you know, and then we lose the value of what's really in front of us, which I think another space where we see that a lot is in connecting with people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's we very often are in presence with someone, but mm-hmm. we really aren't. We're just there yeah. kind of going through the motions and anticipating things or narrating our own little thing <laughs> in our heads. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely.
1: Like when and I think this whole, you know, lockdown situation is making that very apparent that when we were actually able to be together, we weren't actually together. And now we're missing that. We're craving that. We're we're realizing that that lack of connection, or you know, being in the same space but not being together. Mm-hmm. Sense. Um, yeah, you know, there you have people on their phones at, at dinner and, and those kind of things. And and now I, I hope after we come out of this that we'll see people actually being present. I know myself have found kind of a a decline in my interest in being on social media. Not not for any other reason other than like, I feel like I'm on the digital world quite a bit more these (laughs) days. And so I'm just kind of tapped out by the time I would normally be on social media, but we're also seeing the value of it, but nothing will ever replace human connection and and being in the presence of another human being. I don't think that will ever change, but what I think will hopefully change is that when we are together again, we'll actually be together when we're together, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, i I can speak to like a personal example of this. Um, my dad and I we used to like have you know lunch once a week whatever we'd get together qu- on a quite a regular basis, and we were always very present with each other uh, but one of the aspects was like we 'd give each other a hug, but it was just sort of a not a going through the motions hug but not like a deep like mm. you know deep hearty quality hug yeah like a heart Um, to heart hug (laughs) yeah but you know during all of this lockdown i I have not wanted to go over there just in case Mm -hmm. you know i brought anything to him i've pretty much been staying inside my house and i feel relatively safe because i you know for whatever reason but i just didn't i didn't want to risk because I love my dad, right? I wouldn't want to take him anything Yeah. Um, other than like, you know, cookies, but
0: no, <laughs> no cooties.
1: <laughs> um, so, so we kind of, we kept our distance and it was last week. He was like, okay, you know, things are, are getting a little bit more relaxed on the regulations and things like that. He's like, I miss you. Let's go get some Tex-Mex takeout. And I said, sure, that sounds good. Like I, I'm missing you too. Let's do this. And so I went out to see him. We grabbed some some takeout, and then when I was leaving his house that night, he gave me a hug, and it was probably the the heartiest hug that he and I have had in, in probably a long time, like mm-hmm. years if not decades. Um, it's always just been sort of that half like hug kind of thing. And we've had several hugs since, because you know, I saw him today, and I, I saw him yesterday, because we're doing some work on my house. And in each time, it, it's been a hearty hug to say goodbye. And and so I think I have hopes that that's how it will be with everybody, not just you know me and my dad kind of thing. It'll will truly appreciate what it means to physically touch another human being,
0: mm, um, especially yeah. for
1: someone like me who lives alone. And I like. Being alone mm-hmm. but when there, when two months go by and I, I haven't touched another human being, you don't realize the toll that that can take. Mm-hmm. So I think human connection is going to not only be more present, but I think everybody is afraid that we're going to be less in con- like less in physical touch and less in physical t- contact. I, I think it's going to be the opposite. But I also think there's going to be some of us who come out. And I was never really a big hugger before <laughs> any of this, but I think I might be after this. <laughs> I,
0: might,
1: I might end up kind of falling back into that middle space of, you know, I, I hug the people who I'm truly close to, but I, I have a feeling coming out of this. I'm going to want to hug everybody. Yeah. <laughs> just for That human contact, right? If, if you're living with somebody, you still have physical touch. Mm. Um, but but for, for someone who lives alone you know, even if you do get out and about, it's not like you're hugging the person at the grocery store, checking out your groceries. It's not like, you know, there, there isn't any human contact. And so not only I think are we going to have a deeper presence when we're around other people, I I think we're going to have greater contact, Mm -hmm. you know, more people holding hands without it having to always be something sexual or or intimate, like, um, you know, sexually intimate, like, yeah, but you know, I, I'm hoping that we might see that more with people,
0: mm-hmm. that, that
1: there will be more human contact because of how deprived of it we are right now.
0: Yeah. More space for like true connection, I think. And that's yet oh, another, so that I think that's another shift, maybe like a global one in terms of the same, yeah. you know, not to like keep going back to the same, but bringing it yeah. back to what we were talking about, the chitavritis. I think that we get globally, we had this like narrative mm-hmm. that Things had to be a particular way. And we liked, in my opinion, I think that we liked looking at the social, the social connectors that we had created Mm -hmm. for ourselves as like the end all be all. But what, in my opinion, was happening was we were actually becoming more and more separated from each other because it went from experiencing each other sort of, as you said, more, more present, more in a physical way, more like the fact that you could pick up the phone, for example, this is going to sound super silly, but the fact that you could pick up the phone and hear someone's voice and that resonance and the Mm -hmm. vibration and know just from like the way that they're talking to you, that you could empathize with what they were feeling and everything was, you get context. Yeah. You had that connection, that heart to heart sort of connection through the energetics was there. And I think a lot of that gets lost when we focus solely on like text messaging or just by email. And again, not that I'm like judging anybody for doing this but my point is I think globally we had put these ideas in place that that was how the new connection was going to be. And in my opinion, what ended up happening was it created way more distance between us. Well, this feels almost like a reset
1: you know yeah. in many
0: ways, it feels almost like, "Well, hey, look, now you've experienced this, but don't you really want to see someone? Don't you really want to like be able to hold them or be in the same room with them? Heck, mm-hmm. even breathe the same air as them. You know that sounds so trite, but it's so deeply ingrained into who we are, because at the end of the day, that's what we are made up of, you know, light, vibration, energy.:
1: Yeah, and I, I talk about it a lot in my classes of, you know, we're all sharing and, and breathing in the same space mm-hmm. and it's, that's one of the things that connects us, right? Which now in, in the current climate is scary and gross and, and all of this, but in, in yeah. abstract concept, like the, the, the breath that I am breathing out, what I am exhaling, you're inhaling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the air that has been inside my lungs is now in your lungs, and therefore we're connected
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know on that like abstract level, and I realize if you take it like hyper literally it is it does sound really gross but <laughs> but the idea is that that's how we're connecting the inside world to the outside world is is through the breath, right? That's how we connect to each other internally, mm-hmm. not just mentally, not just externally holding hands, hugging whatever it is but but we're like you said we're breathing the same air Mm -hmm. and that can be a very beautiful thing or it can be a very scary and slightly gross thing
0: yeah Um, yeah
1: so i like to prefer to look at it on the beauty side of of like yeah (laughs) that's what's keeping us connected i i breathe out and the plants take that carbon dioxide and put out more oxygen that I breathe in that connects me to the natural world
0: Mm -hmm. breath
1: that that I am breathing in and out you are also breathing in and out and that connects our internal worlds and so you know that whole concept of we are one and you know we're all stardust and, and all of those kind of things yeah yeah like that in a way it's kind of true because that's that's how we're all connected. Like you don't have to slice your hand open and, and like you know share each other's blood and stuff to be connected <laughs> anymore, like you know, sorry, 80s <laughs> child growing up, like that's oh my what, God. That's what
0: yeah, no,
1: of. absolutely. <laughs> but, but yeah, and so that's why that's why we're all connected, right? Because we are all breathing the same air, we're all being in this world together. And mm-hmm. the world keeps turning, the vrittis keep moving, mm-hmm. So we have to move with it. We have to stay and breathe with it and not, and not let fear and not, not let any of those things hold us back from continuing this process of
0: life. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. And how powerful a perception change can be yeah. to heal too, because, you know, it's, you and I are talking about this and right now at the time when this is being recorded, we're still in the midst of everything that's been going on mm-hmm. with COVID. And it's, I think, also about the things that we choose to focus most on. And so we've, we look at certain things and the conversations get worded in a very particular way, but mm-hmm. to to hear uh, sit here and talk about the beauty of like, eventually being able to be together and breathe yeah. in the same air and share that connection. I mean, that to me feels very like soothing. It feels yeah. very, very needed. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a good reminder, you know, think about what it is that you are experiencing in your life that is presenting the most amount of pain or challenge or difficulty or discomfort. Mm -hmm. And maybe perhaps before you try to take a step to forcibly change it or run away Mm -hmm. from it or stay stuck in it, maybe take a moment to consider the possibility that you could switch, that you could turn it around, that you could look at it from a different point of view maybe examine it a little bit different give yourself the space to possibly change the narrative around it and Mm -hmm. see what can come of it because to me that's the power of creation and it's really what it does it helps us to not remain in a place of continual disconnect to self or continuous you know, lack of joy, not sadness necessarily, because I think sadness and pain are beautiful things that are there to serve us, Absolutely. but just a continuous state of lack of contentment, you know? Well,
1: sure. Right. And, and so speaking of like perspective and contentment, most people confuse happiness mm-hmm. with contentment that they, they think that the things that make them happy are what make them content. And in reality, it's, it's the contentment that allows them the freedom to be happy Mm -hmm. or to find happiness in the, in the peripheral things. So, you know, one of the other things I talk about in in my classes is shifting that perspective to finding contentment, Mm -hmm. not just pleasure, not just happiness, not just joy, not, not the emotions, but the foundation of all of those emotions. You can be angry and and still have a foundation of content. You can mm-hmm. be ecstatic and have a foundation of content. You can be depressed and still have a foundation of of yeah. contentment. But it's it's not. It, it's shifting that perspective that I'm just seeking happiness.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: No, what we should be seeking is contentment because you're not always going to be happy. Yeah, you've right. got to have the full spectrum of human emotion, and 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 that's part of the human experience. Yeah how you respond to those emotions Mm -hmm. you know that's a whole different story but we should have anger we should have sadness we should have happiness we should have ecstasy we should have all of the sort of range of human emotions Mm -hmm. but that are the, the underlying all of that is a sense of contentment
0: yeah
1: so that you know i i suffer from depression and and when those cycles come up i have to if if i don't want to get too deep into that pit of despair which mm-hmm. if i you know if i don't honor the flags that start coming up if i get to that place it's hard mm-hmm. yeah so i have to allow myself to sink down into my my foundation of contentment that that no matter how long this lasts mm-hmm. i know that it won't last forever yes and if it does last forever i'm okay with that so i usually use the posture boat as, <laughs> oh, as an exemplification of it <laughs> and and you know the students like when i first bring it up in an intro to ashtanga or wherever i'm offering this this little nugget is that i i talk about boat being a posture of contentment and and for those who who don't Necessarily practice yoga in the audience. Boat is this like wicked core hip flexor (laughs) balancing on the hips kind of crazy pose. Look it up. You know it it looks easy, but it's certainly not even for someone who's been doing it for twenty years. Like my legs still shake. It's just one of those postures that yes, you get stronger, Mm -hmm. but it it it's it's still wicked hard. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and so I talk about it as a posture of contentment and then I usually get a little scoffs in, in the class and I'm like, <laughs> no, let's, let's shift the perspective, right? Because all you're focused on right now is how hard you're working. If I count to five slowly, because we count to five in Ashtanga, that, that should, shouldn't be any different in your mind than if I count to five quickly. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be waiting for me to count to 5 Mm-hmm. You know, that it should be those, that situation of however long this lasts, I'm going to sit here and focus on my breath. I'm going to sit here and focus on my response to the situation, whether it's boat pose or getting locked down for two months. Yes. You know, whatever it is that the shift from, I wish you would hurry up and count to five. I'm ready to get out of boat and take my vinyasa (laughs) or I'm losing my mind. I'm ready to get out of my house. Yes. It, to me it's it's the same or at least two sides of the same coin kind of like i realize how different they are but philosophically mm-hmm. they're the same the, and and i think that's why some people are having an easier time not just like the natural introverts like me you know like the idea is that okay if if this has to last forever which in and of itself is unrealistic this is not going to last forever but if it did how can I make the best of the situation and still continue serving humanity and and so shifting into that place of well, I will do whatever I need to to continue residing in my contentment It may mm-hmm. be uncomfortable to be in my house this much. it may be you know uncomfortable and make me a little grumpy. If I, if I can't go to the grocery store every two days to buy fresh vegetables, it Mm -hmm. it may, you know, but then there's the moments of happiness, like, oh, I love being alone. I love being in my house, you know, but none of that, that's all fluctuating. Those are just emotions that go up and down, but that, that solid foundation of contentment that I have been working on for the last, you know, I mean, my practice has been over 20 years, but I would probably say I've really been trying to hone in on the concept of contentment for maybe the last 12, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 to 13 years, like Mm -hmm. kind of towards the end of grad school, like I was going through a lot of trauma and, and really kind of trying to truly explore how I understood the word contentment
0: yeah, as yeah. opposed
1: to just happiness. Like, so I've been kind of a student of the concept of contentment for about 12 <laughs> or 13 years. Yeah. But it made the initial transition of this much easier. Cause it's like, okay, well, I will make decisions based on the next data coming in, you know, for my business, for myself, for my family, for all of these things, because I, I, I feel like I have a solid foundation. Yeah. And, and when this came up, it's like, the people who claimed to have a foundation, it would make it very clear who didn't, mm-hmm. right? But because I was the able to make a smooth transition, and it wasn't easy and it was stressful. Mm-hmm. But there was still that contentment. Like, okay, well, whatever comes next, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll deal with it. Yeah, make the best of the situation. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm happy
0: or sad about it, I'm content with it. Exactly, and I think it's a foundational presence. You know, I kind of talk about that in class too, where I'm always, for example, mine is yours is boat, and although mine I yeah. guess too, but for me it's warrior two because it's yeah. so so clear. We immediately get into that pose, and our mind starts telling these stories. You know, it yeah. goes on a tangent. Oh my God, I can't do this. It goes, it does a billion things, but mostly because there is a connection to present. There's mm-hmm. a connection to the presence of particular muscles waking up in a particular order. And so what I'm always saying is build it structurally. Think about it from root, from the feet and bring the energy all the way up and find your center. Like if you can find your core, the essence of who you truly are and know that that is immovable, that it's going to remain valuable and worthwhile no matter what. I think the contentment lies within the presence and the awareness of that moment as you move through the difficulties, the, you know, or the, even the happiness, like you said, because even happiness itself, I think you're right. We think that that is the main goal. We are striving to be happy in this life. But yeah. happiness is fleeting. It's just as fleeting as anything else is. Yeah. However, if we are able to sit in presence of everything that comes up for us as it comes up instead of in resistance with just awareness and again, presence and almost, and I know that this is a word that can sometimes trigger people, but I mean it in the most, You know, healing of ways in a sense of surrender, Mm -hmm. then it creates a lot of space for freedom, at least to know, like you said, yes, I am in this very uncomfortable space right now, or this very painful moment right now, and it's hurting me a lot, but I am deeply rooted into my sense of contentment, into the knowing that I am who I am, then from there I can grow. And at some point down the line, I might be happy again, or I might not, but that is fine. I'm so content. And it sounds so weird because we've been taught to seek the emotion, but it's way more than that. It is that sense of evenness. It's that sense of being alive and being that transcends all of that. And it's, it's the practice. You know, it's not as if you and I wake up every morning and like immediately we just snap our fingers and it's done. <laughs> right. It's
1: a, a daily, it's a daily attention to it. Right? It is, yes. Anything worthwhile requires daily attention, whether it's our relationships with other people, our relationship with mm-hmm. ourselves, our relationship mm-hmm. with that bedrock, that foundation of, of contentment and nourishing it. You yes. Know? You have to keep contributing to it. There's nothing in this world, in this life, at least that comes to the top of my head right now, that doesn't, you know, that it's a one and done thing that you will never have to tend to if you want it to stay healthy and alive.
0: Correct. Yes.
1: Right. There's nothing that I can think of. If anybody can,
0: I, I'd like to know. <laughs> Me too. You but, could definitely write the show and let yeah. us know because I'm with you on that page. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think you're the absolutely right. same goes with right. the
1: contentment. Yeah. It, it goes with, you know, people talk a lot in yoga and meditation about finding peace and finding mm-hmm. enlightenment. It's like, well, you know, that's, again, that's something that you have to nourish daily. It's not you know you don't do 20 s- squats or whatever and then your <laughs> glutes are just like perfect forever and never have to do it again yeah in yoga we talk about well once you achieve and i use you know air quotes master a pose whatever you want to call it and then you never have to do that pose again it's, it's like <laughs> you get a gold star and you're like okay check that off the list you don't have to do that again it's yeah. Although I suppose
0: with- you could, <laughs> why not? Why not? Right.
1: But there's always going to be more to yes. teach us. Like yes. that's why in Ashtanga, we, no matter what series you're practicing, you always do the foundational postures one for
0: the training mm-hmm.
1: and opening and all of, all of that stuff, but also because there's always something new to learn Yes. in triangle pose or whatever. And, and so you have to nourish that daily. You have to nourish the fundamentals whether it's fundamental postures, or your your fundamental foundation of what contentment means,
0: mm-hmm.
1: nourish yeah. that fundamental foundation of what your perspective is. Observe what your vritis are, and nourish the ones that you want to thrive, and don't nourish the ones that you don't want to thrive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if I want to fall into that deep depressive spiral, and I and I choose to nourish that, it. Definitely gets to a very scary place and, and luckily I have a best friend who can always help me out when it gets that bad, mm-hmm. but you know, recognizing the flags so that I nourish the healthy tactics to, to get out before it gets too bad. But whatever, whatever we nourish, that's what's going to grow, yep. so let's, let's nourish that foundation of contentment rather than always seeking to be happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Build foundationally, build from the ground up and yeah. know yourself to be in that space yeah. and give yourself the freedom to choose. Because again, you can totally choose. If you choose to stay in the same rumiations in the same, you know, chitta vrittis, yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Sure. It will have its own outcome. <laughs> it's going to yeah. come with its own consequences, like everything. Sure but you've got the choice. And it's all about, again, it's that presence. It's the moment of deciding, this is what I want to work for, or maybe not work for, but this is what I what I want to infuse with my energy. Mm-hmm. This is what I don't, this is what I let in, this is what I don't let in. And to me, that's great because that means at the end of the day, we are the ones who create, we are the ones who create our path, our lives. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Nothing, you know, nothing just happens. And so it's a it's a daily practice, moment to moment, day to day, you've got the spaces in which you can continuously choose and in which you can create or not or do or not. And and I think that that's another way in which we can perhaps try to shift our perspectives, speaking of perspectives yeah. around things, because we've become a culture of immediacy. We yes. want things right here, right now, in this moment. And if it takes more than like an iota on effort or time, then we immediately bounce away from it. Yeah. And that's, potentially at least consider that that could be hurting you a lot more than it's serving you if you shifted your perspective about that and you realize that putting in the energetic time and effort and awareness around something might actually create something much more thriving much more mm-hmm. fruitful
1: mm-hmm. much more
0: prosperous in the same way that you you and i were talking at the beginning of the show about how all of a sudden we've become hoarders of yeah. like oh wait i have success but now it's mine and i'm going to yeah. keep it all you know it's almost like a dragon, a dragon would do the same type of thing. So, in the same way that that could happen through your practice and your decision of that, think about the practice and the decision of maybe allowing yourself the space to actually put the energy into something that will grow yeah. versus just hoping that if you, I don't know, do the bare minimum, <laughs> it's, yeah. gonna, it's going to somehow materialize. Yeah.
1: And also recognizing that, you know, things do take time. Mm -hmm. Right. So we, we tend to often compare ourselves in terms of where we are on the progress spectrum. Oh yeah. We've been doing it longer. So like one of the things that, that I sometimes have to, well, definitely during teacher training, but, but even sometimes with these studio owners that I mentor, they'll, the, the student, the, the teachers coming out of teacher training will, will compare like their level of teaching like their first or second class to one of my classes and i'm like i've been teaching for over 15 <laughs> years like i made all those same mistakes and fumbles and i had you know those air quote bad classes in the beginning too you guys just didn't see any of that mm-hmm. Yes. and i tell the studio owners the same thing or when i talk to to people who who work for other studio owners and they they talk to me about some of the decisions and that they're making or or what have you and i and i say well you know don't don't compare them to me or don't compare mm-hmm. yourself to me because mm-hmm. i've been doing this so much longer i have experience under my belt you're just getting started so, you know, I'm here to help you try to avoid some of the necessary or uh, the unnecessary mistakes. Yeah. So you're going to have to make some of the necessary ones, the same ones that I had to make in order for me to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have that necessary suffering for you to learn and grow. Yes. I'm here to help you avoid the unnecessary suffering, <laughs> just like with my yoga students, you know, whether they're actual students in my class they're students in my teacher training they're they're students in my mentorship program it's, or students in life the, just some random stranger i'm giving advice to <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't usually do that unless it but, but the idea is that you know i'm only offering this because i've been there and i have the experience mm-hmm. um, but it's because i have the experience that you have to give yourself a little bit of freedom to make mistakes and learn and grow and then 10 15 years down the road you will you will recognize you'll realize what a great teacher you are and and those kind of things that it's like we all have to go through that growing process. No baby is born into the world and knows how to run a triathlon. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. they have to like kind of fumble around and crawl and and then they start to walk and fall down and walk and fall down and then and then they walk, right? It, it's the same thing. no one's good at. Anything or rarely is anybody really good at anything the first time they try it. Beginners luck aside, you know? yes, yes. But if they tried it again, they they may not be so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why, like you said, it's a practice. It's a daily practice, whether whether it's on the mat, whether it's in our own personal growth and development. I remember like a while back, a while like like you said, a couple of years, and it was like eight years ago. A while back, okay, <laughs> I don't know, like ten or fifteen years ago, like maybe even in the mid nineties, late eighties, you know, self-help books were sort of a cliche.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I think maybe there is kind of still a slight stigma, but probably less than there used to be. And, and I was super hesitant for the longest time to read any books about business or, you know, goal setting and that kind of development mm-hmm. because of that stigma. And then, you know, maybe like two years ago, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Everybody else can have their judgment. This is where I feel I need to learn and grow. Yes. So I started reading a lot of that stuff, and yeah, there's some pretty cliche stuff out there that just kind of makes the eye roll or whatever. But then, then there's the occasional gem, and like, so I'm reading a lot of it in order to find the gems amidst, you know, the plethora. Um, yeah. But it, it's a daily thing for me because I want to continue learning and growing. Because I know I want to help people learn and grow in their own business. So that pushes me to be better. Mm -hmm. Now, this goes back to the hoarding thing that you were talking about. If I can give all of my knowledge away, it shines light on the areas that I don't don't know that I don't know, right? Yes. Yes. Is that? Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, no, no. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) Um, And so then now I can then learn that stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. or I can seek out that knowledge either through a teacher or through, you know, self-study, that big concept in yoga is this concept of Mm self-study, but it's all of that shifting of perspective, getting over what other people think of you and doing what you need to do for you. You know that helps you continue to learn and grow. I don't remember where I was going with that, but
0: <laughs> I think it went to the perfect place. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I have oh got. I want to talk to you for hours and hours. Obviously, I could but... talk to you as well. <laughs> for hours and hours. Well, maybe on a future episode. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I'm definitely gonna have you back. So we'll we'll keep nice. gabbing nice. away. But for today, nice. I've got just two questions left for okay. you. One is going to be: uh, What uplifting words of encouragement would you leave our listeners with? And what message can you leave the listeners with about how to step into their full potential?
1: I, I would say embrace patience mm-hmm. and, and allow things to evolve and grow in their own time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know We put a timeline on things that doesn't need to be there. If we can embrace patience, we can find contentment. And so, you know, in terms of encouragement, it's, it's not easy to embrace patience, right? It, or at least for some of us, it's not easy to embrace that. So, so giving yourself the freedom of patience, mm. you know, not, not putting yourself on a deadline that will discourage you if you don't make,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Flexible deadlines, yes. And now, now there is going to be time where you need to have like deadlines, like your rents always do on the first, and those kind of things. Sure. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but those self-imposed, I want to have this kind of life by the age of, you know, X, Y, Z, or or whatever it is. You know, fill in the blank of of all of these things we say we have to have by a certain time. Ask yourself, is that because society says so, or is that because it's what you truly want? And if it's what you truly want. Go for it, work for it, but it's going to be daily, you know, no matter how small, small tiny steps every single day Mm -hmm. get you down the path, but it's going to take patience and being okay, some contentment in that slow progression. Yeah. Patience and contentment and being okay with it, taking slow, taking it slower, Mm
0: -hmm. not,
1: not always being in a rush. You want to... You want to embrace that patience. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to lose 20 pounds in two days because it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. You want to lose weight slowly. You want to encourage healthier nutrition slowly because it's so much more sustainable. If you want your life to end up somewhere, work the tiny daily steps to get there. Mm -hmm. But it's all based on patience and contentment.
0: Oh, man. I love that. And yeah, it's quite the task for some of us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say for all of us. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love it. Some days are easier.
1: Some days are harder. But yeah, I think it's I think it's work for all of us.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I agree. Oh, well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Before I let you go, where can the listeners find you? So you can find me at
1: cherryblossomyoga.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, Cherry Blossom Yoga. I also have uh, a personal teaching page, Sarah Turk Yoga. You can find that on, let's see, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find Cherry Blossom on LinkedIn. Um, We have a, youtube page as well that i'm working on getting up and going with some videos
0: mm-hmm. but yeah the, and yeah uh, innocent primate account too <gasps> oh right? yes and yes <laughs> i don't know why. <laughs> I forget
1: about it not that i forget about it but you know when i think yoga that's not something that comes to the mind um yeah innocent primate i have a vegan food blog uh, that me and my sh- sister share um, post recipes since opening the studio, the, the frequency of recipes has diminished, but we, we started it back in 2008. So it's definitely got healthy catalog of, of recipe options on there. So yeah, the Innocent Primate Facebook and the Innocent
0: Primate blog online. Awesome. Yay. Well, thank you again so much. I'm You're d- welcome. I'm going to ask you to come back because like I Absolutely. said, we could probably talk for hours. <laughs> but yeah, I would again. love that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome all right i hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as i enjoyed having it (laughs) definitely always such a joy to talk with my teacher and if you have any questions about any of the things that you heard on the show or if you want to talk about something in particular that you've experienced in terms of changing your perspective or learning patience or any of the things that we talked about please feel free to email the show at info at nourishing Paths.com. You can also find me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. And don't forget to show some love for the show. Give us a review, leave us a comment, share, and like. And until next time, have a beautiful, beautiful day.